Hi everyone, I'm Leslyn Keith, and I'm here again with another research update flash briefing. I'm the Director of Research and President of the Board for the Lipedema Project. I like to keep you abreast of the latest research of relevance to lipedema with these flash briefings. Today I'd like to tell you about a study by a group of surgeons from a reconstructive and aesthetic surgery center in Germany. The title of the paper is Characteristics and Patients Recorded Outcome Measures in Lipedema Patients, Establishing a Baseline for Treatment Evaluation in a High-Volume Center. It was published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine in May of 2022. The aim of the study was to provide further insights into the characteristics of lipedema and also to provide a baseline prior to surgery in order to better assess the effectiveness of surgical procedures for lipedema. The authors strongly believe that psychological issues need to be measured as much as physical impairments. So let's look at the participants that they used for the study. They had 511 participants diagnosed with lipedema who came to the surgery center for consultation, and these participants met their eligibility requirements and then were included in the study. The patients that were excluded were excluded if they already received liposuction or bariatric surgeries or if they were a minor. And so 511 patients, that's a pretty good-sized study. Let's talk about what methods that they used and what assessments they used. So they did an intake questionnaire and asked things like height, weight, age that they first had the onset of their lipedema symptoms, and how old were they when they first got their diagnosis of lipedema. And they talked a lot about pain, about quality of life issues, about physical limitations, if there was any family history of lipedema. And they also asked about what treatments they used for lipedema that they had already tried so far and what comorbidities they had. And interestingly, they asked about the smoking status as well. They also used two self-report questionnaires, and one was the World Health Organization Quality of Life abbreviated version, and this is a self-reported survey about their overall health, and it covers four health domains. The domains are physical health, psychological health, social relationships, and environment, and this instrument also has a special quality of life section as well. And so the higher scores on this instrument, I believe going up to 100, indicate that they have better quality of life and better health. So lower scores on this instrument mean that they're not as healthy, do not have as good quality of life. Then the other instrument they used was a patient health questionnaire. And this one is a questionnaire that has nine different items that are specifically used to assess depression. Patients were asked to rate the frequency of each of those symptoms as they occurred over the last month, and they can rate them either zero, which means they did not occur at all, all the way up to four, meaning they happened every day. And so the higher the score, the higher the depression severity. So when this was the opposite of the other test, the higher the score, things were doing well, they were better. But on this test, if they had a high score, it means that they worse they were doing. So let's look at some of the results. So first, the patient characteristics they got from that intake interview. So all the patients were female, of course, 
and had an average age of 40 years, and they had an average BMI of just over 33. And then also on average, they had 16 years between the onset of their symptoms and getting an official diagnosis of lipedema. Some very interesting responses on this and things that we've heard of before. Over 80% of the participants reported that the onset of their lipedema was associated with a period of hormonal change, puberty, pregnancy, or menopause. And puberty was by far the most frequently cited time with over 67% responding to that. That's interesting. Then the authors, they actually used a model of three stages of lipedema. Here at Lipedema Simplified, we usually use four stages. So they're using this three-stage model. And so using that model, most of the participants were actually in stage two. So that was almost 58% of the 511 women. And then the next most common stage was stage three, and that was at 36%. Only eight, just under 9% of the participants were in stage one. And then most of the participants did not have any symptoms in their arms. 42% did not have any symptoms in their arms. But of those who did, 36% were classified as stage two in their arms. In the area of comorbidities, this was also interesting, and it was also, this is what we're seeing in other papers as well. So 31% also had hypothyroidism, and 27% complained of joint pain. Those two things were very common, but as other papers have said, diabetes was rare at only 3%. Again, we're learning at Lipedema Simplified that the way that we test for diabetes is not usually the best way, and we're not catching it early. Where people who, when they finally are diagnosed with diabetes, often they've had it for 20 years. And so I'd really like to see a big study where they're doing better tests for diabetes. Uh, typically, the HOMA IR, a test for insulin resistance, is going to be much more effective at diagnosing diabetes. So I'm not convinced that this is actually a rare comorbidity for lipedema, but it could be true. Interestingly, in this study, I think as common in other studies, was that the higher stage, so if you're stage two or three in this three-stage model, then you're going to have more comorbidities. And for instance, hypertension, which is common, it was 31% of those who had stage three lipedema, but much fewer of the women had hypertension if they were in stage one or two. And then when we get to earlier attempts to lose weight, and by far most of the women had made some kind of attempt to lose weight in the past. In this study, 69% reported that their attempts to lose weight had little or no effect. And most weight loss was five kilograms or 11 pounds. Participants were asked to rate the severity of 18 different symptoms known to be associated with lipedema using a zero to one scale. So the most severe symptoms, each were rated over seven out of 10. So these were the highest, most severe symptoms that they had. These included feeling of heavy legs, feeling of tired legs, bruising, feeling of tension in the legs, and hypersensitivity to touch 
and swelling. So those are the most severe of all those 18 different symptoms that we know to be associated with lipedema. Another thing they asked was about if a family member was suspected of having lipedema. And this relates to, we're thinking about, is there a genetic component to lipedema? And so in this study, the most common response was 33%, almost 34% believed that their mother also had lipedema. And another 28% believed that their grandmother may have had lipedema. So it would be interesting to do further genetic studies with lipedema. And then another thing that they're asked about is how their symptoms affected their daily life and their ability to work. 96% reported some level of leg impairment and 64% had an impairment in their arms and that impaired their ability to function in their daily life and their ability to work. That's a pretty high percentage. 49%, so almost half of the participants were either severely limited in their ability to work or completely unable to work due to their symptoms. And, you know, there's a little bit of bias in this because these are women who are consulting with surgeons. So they've gotten to that point that they are considering surgery because of the severe impact of lipedema on their life. So it gives a little bit of a bias that we have these high numbers of impairment and poor quality of life because of the lipedema. So another 25% of the respondents reported that there was a negative impact of lipedema on their quality of life. And typically they were in the later stages of lipedema that had the greater negative impacts. So let's look at the the results of the two self-report surveys. First, the patient health questionnaire that had the nine items, and this one is if they had the higher score, that meant they had a more severe depressed mood. And in this one, it was suggested that 54% of the participants were at risk of suffering from a moderate to severe depressed mood. And this is similar results to other studies I think that I have reported here on these flash briefings. Also, there was a positive correlation between the lipedema stage and a higher risk for depression. So the higher the stage, higher the risk for depression. That makes sense. And then 333 participants completed the World Health Organization Quality of Life abbreviated questionnaire. And so remember, this one is the higher your score, the closer to 100, the better you're doing. And so on this one, the average score across all the domains that are covered in this questionnaire was 60.5. And so that is, you know, just a little bit over 50%. That's not that great. The lowest scores were obtained in the physical health with an average score of 54 out of 100. And in mental health, which was actually a little bit lower, average score of 51 out of 100. So interestingly, the highest score was in the environment domain at 71. So that's, you know, very interesting results on this study. I highly recommend taking a look at that paper. The authors concluded that lipedema, of course, remains a very poorly understood disease. But hopefully this study provided some insight into the symptoms experienced by women before they have undergone a liposuction intervention. They note that previous studies of the effectiveness of liposuction for lipedema have usually been with shorter follow-ups 
And the baseline data is typically done retrospectively. That means that participants in previous studies were asked to remember how they were doing prior to surgery. As we know, memory can be faulty, so this may not be entirely accurate information. So it's the hope of these authors that they will have much higher quality data due to they've collected this baseline information prior to surgery, and now they'll go on to do another clinical trial and see what happens. So I really feel like this study is important for women with lipedema because it contributes to our growing body of data that looks at the symptoms and characteristics of lipedema as experienced by the women themselves. So although these authors want to use this baseline information to help decide which liposuction procedure would be better for lipedema, I believe that the contribution to understanding the condition can really have a wider impact. As we better understand what it's like to have lipedema across the stages and across the types of lipedema, we may be able to come up with better treatments of which surgery will only be one of the options. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you haven't already subscribed to our daily flash briefings of tips, tools, and research about lipedema, you can subscribe at Apple, Spotify, Amazon Alexa, or here at this website, lipedema-simplified.org slash flash, where you'll find an archive of all of our flash briefings. You can now also follow Living Well with Lipedema on Amazon Music and get new episodes when they become available. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another Research Update Flash Briefing. Hi there, this is Catherine Sayo with a very quick and exciting announcement. Just to let you know, our three-day event, Heart to Heart, is coming up March 31st, April 1 and 2. Make sure you don't miss it. We have speakers coming from all over the world and an amazing schedule for interaction with all of the community. It's going to be spectacular. Go to lipedema-simplify.org and be sure to click the link to get more information. And we'll see you there.